0: What's up, sports fans? It's your boy, Zion Williamson of the New Orleans Pelicans, and you're listening to The Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420
1: app. Welcome back into the show. Thank you, Zion. Joining me now, Zion Hill, by the way. That was Zion Williamson. Zion Hill, Word Association association game. I played with him yesterday. The All-Sun Belt tackle for the Cajuns. We'll hear that in the 8 o'clock hour. Right now, let's welcome in our guest. He joins us Fridays for the Pro Nola segment, where we uh, typically focus on, you know, the Saints and Pels, but we uh, we oftentimes, especially this time of year, will hit on a number of other topics as well, which we plan to do this morning. Good morning, Gus. How are you, my friend?
0: Good morning, Scott. Well, some of those topics include how you're going to use one of my Chicago Cubs perhaps most of your New York Mets' uh, chances of winning a World Series I mean, actually, a guy that brought hope and a championship, Chicago, yeah. a guy named Chris Bryan. I heard yeah. Term Kirchner all week talking about how he needed hitter. You know what? He helped us win one. Hopefully can help you win one if that happens or not. You know, I don't know. I. It's over. It's over. <laughs> it's over.
1: I didn't even, I mean, I didn't even ask you about the Cubs and you just lead in with the bleak. Hey, look, man, you, you talk about bleakness. I mean, I. The one the one like you have you have a recent a recent championship. The Mets don't, but go. you know what the, Met, the, Met's, oh, do, know. the it, Mets do. The Mets do typically it, beat the Cubs. I'll at least I'll at least I mean, throw it's that. It's
0: so in there. tough, isn't it? It really is, and so just not win as many. I no, I I get it. I no, look, there's no bitterness.
1: they've won they won I, more I, in the last like you know uh, fifty two <laughs> years than the Cubs have. I had to do the math for a second fifty two years, but. You know, one yeah. more than the yeah. Mets, but I'm um, excuse me, the Cubs. But anyway, uh, no man, I don't yeah, know. I, I here's the thing. I, I, think the LC, really I, but, I think you go for it. I think you go for it. But but I do think mm-hmm. some of the things I've read, I'm like, man, that's a that's a king's ransom. There. I mean, is he the guy that takes you over the top? But then, you know, I look at a team that just won an NBA championship, and it's like, man, when you got yeah. a chance, you just gotta, you know, oh, what? The, it's too much for Drew Holiday. It's too much. We all know they don't win the championship without Drew. We know. I mean they're not in the finals without Drew. So yeah, I think when you got a chance for a championship, uh, you, you gotta you gotta roll the dice. You gotta get lucky. You know, you gotta make sure you don't hit snake eyes with the dice. Seven would be nice if you can hit it and um and if maybe. you do all those things, maybe maybe you end up winning it all. Maybe. You gotta get lucky and you gotta you gotta take some calculated gambles when you win championships and Honestly, outside of maybe a few dominant champion super duper teams in sports, mm-hmm. most most championships in sports across the globe, if you look at what the ingredient was, it's a combination of great team, calculated gamble and a little bit of luck mm-hmm. along the way. And you get that you get that trio, then you got a good chance to win it all.
0: I'm so glad you said that, Scott, because that's actually one of the things that I touched on. Um after, you know, the night that Milwaukee won earlier in the week. And it's it it's something that I think, you know, was so refreshing to see. It, it, it was fun from this aspect of watching the finals. You know, I was so happy that I think it was a legit good thing for the NBA. I think it was a good showing for, I think, basketball. In that you, you had some really good storylines from either way. you know. I, I was hurting from Monty Williams and Chris Paul and seeing if they um, could, could get it done. And at the same time, if you're a Pels fan and you're here from New Orleans, seeing what Milwaukee did and how they went about it um, has to make you feel good. And look, I don't know about you, but I look forward to every single day and see how Giannis Antetokounmpo (laughs) celebrates from ordering a 50-piece at Chick-fil-A to yelling and chanting bucks and six to fans that are in, you know, the drive-through to seeing all of the photos on his Instagram page of the trophy, you know, sleeping in bed with his daughter, um, taking a ride in his car. I mean, just... It's so cool to see that because, man, I got a lot. I'm not to you. And no one was cutting onions. I'll just tell you, it, I, I, I'm teary. I got a teary eyes. What? That's not even him. your team. No, I, I, and that's what. That's what I was going to get into. That, that's what I spoke about the day afterwards. Seeing him at the end of it, we have become so accustomed and so used to, and almost cynical, right? And just, and sometimes bitter, and just we. Man, it seems like your show, or well, mine, we're always talking about this person deserves a championship or this person's wanting to win or at all costs, you know, Jerry Jones, yes, I'll do anything for my team and all that, which I understand to an extent. But a team that I was speaking to the voice of the two in green wave, Corey Gore, who just got here. His family's from Milwaukee. He's been a buck, lifelong Bucks fan.
1: I hear he blue. Uh, wait, wait, wait. I'm fine. sorry. I had to cut you off. you I'm hear? Sorry. It? Uh, Bluey, man. I hear Bluey. I mean, it's just a great theme song. You got the show on for the kid in the background. (laughs) Oh, it's my turn. Do you dance like I'm doing right now every time dad comes on? That's what I just did. Bingo. Only only young dads know what we're talking about. You were making a great point, and I cut you off. I'm sorry.
0: No, it's actually a smart point because so mom dances, so Anna has to dance. And then when dad comes, I have to dance and shake Mm -hmm. my Mm toes. And then we don't have a bingo because we don't have another kid. But McQueen dances. I grab his paws and he dances. And then Carver at the end dances as Bluey. And Corey Glore, who I was just referring to, actually told me when I met him last week here at my house um, that his dad actually sends him GIFs. And actually, he also watches Bluey and Corey single. No kids, no nothing. Bluey's a really, really well-written
1: show. It's Only eight-minute episodes things, where kids are just oh, constantly flipping on YouTube it's to incredible. the next thing because their attention spans short. Yeah. So you have the the right amount of time for an episode. It's relatable. Mm-hmm. I mean, the theme song's great. It shout is. out, shout out, Bluey! I feel like Mr. I feel
0: like I feel like Mr. Monkey Jackson the Butler most of my life. Yeah. But anyway, um, what Corey was saying and he tweeted that really stood out to me, dude, was. He said 10 years ago, this was a team that was looking to leave Milwaukee. And 10 years later, they're champions. And dude, that's what I'm saying. It hit me. And I think it, it, um, maybe that's why I got teary eyed watching Giannis sit, you know, on the bench. And you just saw the raw emotion of, I did it. You know, you saw the emotion of, Going through all that stuff that people say, and we can relate here in New Orleans because we've covered it, Scott, the last three years of the Bucks, You know, he can't win there. He has to leave. Rachel Nichols doing an Anthony Davis, as and he brought up to me when I had him on the next day, dude, and he was right I forgot about it. Um, you remember the Anthony Davis interview at the beginning of the season, his last season here? where she's asking him, where do you want to go? Do you want to play with LeBron? And she did the same thing with Giannis, you know. And um, It's just everyone couldn't wait to get him out of there. Um, during this playoff run, Scott, you know, you can't win with Giannis. He's not a closer. He's not a guy that can do – fire Mike Budenhoser. I mean, literally, national people were saying when, you know, they'd lost uh, the second game in either the Eastern Conference Finals or in the NBA Finals. They literally thought that they should replace the coach with a new coach. Like, he was fired. It, it was, it was an understood that if Milwaukee doesn't win and get to the finals, they were going to fire this guy. And it, it's incredible, you know, um, because then you see the opposite side of that, man, the emotion of that guy and what it meant. Scott watching him go in and out of the stadium and in the tunnels to the locker room throughout the celebration. And he's stopping and high-fiving kids that look like their kids and mine. Um, You know, while he has his goggles, it's not, it wasn't about him. He's taking pictures with them. He, you know, bent over and high-fived four-year-olds, seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds. He's hugging everybody. He's hugging staff members. And Scott, you know this, man, when you do your stuff with the Cajuns and you know, I do stuff with too late, or even with the Pels and Saints. You get to know other coach, you know, it's the media relations person. It's the security guy that's always there in the field that you know, says hello to you. And you're seeing him during the celebration, and he's he's a part of theirs. And that's what stood out to me. I think that's the best way to describe it. He was celebrating with them because, as we saw here in 2009, we absolutely felt like we won the Super Bowl, huh, Scott? I mean, I remember that, dude. I remember that so vividly. I think that's what was so cool. As I was sitting on a couch watching it, I'm like, I get it. I get it. 65,000 people, dude, outside. They just wanted to be a part of it. They just wanted to finally feel like they were winners. Fans like are the they were best, man. I
1: mean, it's like and, and you, not, you, not, you not celebrate harder and bigger when you're a team and a fan of a team that isn't a traditional perennial power right. or blue blood that just, right? you know, it, it's just a fact. Like I was saying in the first segment yeah. this morning, you know, if you get married six times, I'm not, uh, I, I'm not, but if you were getting married six times, my guess is by like the <laughs> the, the, the third or fourth bachelor party, it's like, it's kind of redundant. Like, mm-hmm. you know, God, okay. Yeah, but years. if you, don't, that don't first that time, that yeah. one time, man, that bachelor party yeah. is uh, is, you know, it's, it's you know, you're gonna celebrate yeah. it differently. However, you celebrate, yeah. whether you you know you do it at a camp with friends or go to Vegas, whatever your style yeah. is. I'm just saying. Yeah. You you know what I would say you're you're I mean
0: yeah I mean I I've gone through too so I don't want to do any more honest just you say yeah, they were definitely different and along those lines that first oh scott congratulations on getting married you can do it again it's like that's great so let us know you know what to send a gift or you know hey, when hey. You get the free happy be belated like, oh, anniversary by you know the way talking. to your
1: lovely wife I wasn't you know I said six <laughs> times I mean I'm not trying to you
0: know <laughs> No, you're good I don't have you on speakerphone so it's not like you're suggesting anything you're uh-huh. good.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. No, they're busy watching Bluey. Uh Gus Kango, I guess. I, I, parades are I mean, parades are so much fun. We 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 take it for granted here in Louisiana because we get it all, you know, so often with Mardi Gras and whatnot, but I love when a fan threw Giannis the ball and he pretended to shoot a free throw but he froze for like fifteen seconds. I like I like legit laughed. I was like, that's good, man. He's just he's having a time of Dude, but that's what I'm talking life. about,
0: right? I mean, that's what I'm saying. That guy's personality, dude, is so Refreshing, you know, it's relatable, isn't it? Is it not relatable to see him like that? I mean, that who does that? Yeah, <laughs> I love yeah, that. He's great, he's
1: real. <laughs> ESP at 1420. Uh, All right, Gus, um, let's chat for a minute. Uh, I want to talk uh, Texas OU with you in a few minutes, but um, we've talked about Willie Green, so we don't need to really get in depth anymore about it. The only difference is yesterday that the Pelicans officially announced he was the new head coach. Everyone knew it was coming. Um, uh, they'll have a press conference on Tuesday. Uh, reports out there is that uh, Teresa Witherspoon, Fred Vincent likely going to be part of the staff. Um, uh, I want to make sure I give the proper credit. Who um, who wrote the uh, the story this week on the Pelicans that detailed the process? Um of them, maybe wanting Jacques Vaughn first, and then that didn't work out, and and how all that played out, because it was a really good in depth article um, that 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 kind of gave a lot of insight into what was happening behind the scenes. But what do you make of where um, you know where they were, what they landed on, and and you know what they have to actually do to not be you know. Uh, lower tier team in the league because frankly despite having star mm-hmm. power that's exactly what they are they are they are uh, i we can look at phoenix and say hey, two years ago this you can look at milwaukee and say hey, in 2013-2014 worst team in the league we can look at the the, the hornets slash pelicans and say yeah you know in in 18 years in the state they've won you know two playoff rounds that's it i mean they're they've been they've been far away for a while here so what's What's the key for Willie Green, and, and what do you make of the reports that, you know, it wasn't their first choice, but he's the guy they ended up landing on? Well, I, you know,
0: I, again, we're talking about uh, being relatable, Scott. I'm pretty sure I wasn't the first choice from my now wife that background around for 90 years. So, I mean, you know what? Maybe that first choice sometimes isn't kind of what you feel. And You know, I think I, I'm a very firm believer, while I joke that way, and you know my history and background, especially when it comes to barber um, I think things happen for a reason, man. I, I really honestly do. And I'm not saying that this is like that to be deep and sentimental, but you never know. And sometimes it is that, you know, sometimes you can wish for something that's either flashing right for you, but you never really understand or know what is right for you until you find out it is right for you. I think a lot of times, um, so while he may not have been that first choice and that first choice was Jacques Vaughn bon, from everything that I've gathered, Oh, and, it, and as that article wrote, too, that's who they wanted to. Um, it, it became not the first choice because of, I think, two reasons. And, and whether we agree with them or not, I'm okay with you at least saying, okay, those are those reasons. For David Griffin, being involved and being able to um, dictate or highly suggest things to his coach is important hey, he's the boss, right? Scott, when you uh, want want to do things your way, do whatever you can one day to, to be a boss, and then you can do so. And when he sat down with Jacques Vaughn and you read that article, and, again, it, it goes to a, coach, you know, a bunch of different sources, and it kind of confirmed a lot of the stuff that I was hearing, Scott, that I've told you privately. Um, look, it's not everybody's going to be on board with that. And when you're sitting down and telling him, here's your staff, Um, I would like a backcourt of Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Cairo Lewis, which, by the way, drove me nuts when I read that on Tuesday. Because, as you know, every Friday I would lose my mind and scream and beg for that starting backcourt, especially the last week of the season when you weren't going to go anywhere. Why would you continuously still start? (laughs) Okay, I'm going to have a good day. So, anyway... But being told your starting lineup, being told your staff, being told this is how he thinks you should do that, there's some coaches that are like, you know what, then why are you hiring me? Um, there could be some coaches say, look, I, I want to do things my way. I, I, I want to have control over my roster. I want to have control over my staff. Um, that's sometimes good and bad, right? I mean, I, I've been around a football program in college where uh, a coach finally got their opportunity, went out and recruited his guys. Maybe perhaps friends, maybe that, that were not as qualified to do the job, and they wound up hurting him in the long run, and he didn't stick around as a football coach at a certain school. So, um, when you see that, that's one of those things that stays out. And I think the other thing is being interested and in wanting to be into it. Um, Jock wasn't. And look, we heard Stan Van Gundy flat out tell us that he spoke with him, he's a good friend. But we all know how Van Gundy feels about this job and what happened here. So, something uh, tells me Jacques probably made a phone call. Probably said they were talking to me. What do you think? And by the end of that phone call, he probably said, "Oh boy." I mean, I that's what I think. Um, with Willie Green, you have somebody that, um, and Steve Kern Monte Williams. I think he listened to, and he respected. And he is somebody that in this profession. So I think you have at least a brief history, albeit, um, of him, you know, yes, sir, I'll do it, but also being able to give his input. So maybe that helps in a situation like this. And Willie Green, you have somebody that's played in New Orleans. And Willie Green, you've had somebody that um, wasn't a star, isn't somebody that, you know, I mean, I'm looking at the comments last night. and and this morning, and it's still, you know, who is this guy and all this other stuff. But that is probably one of the reasons why he is what he is, Um, a journeyman, a guy who did whatever it took to stick around, came off the bench. But, Scott, he lasted 12 years in the NBA. It's pretty good. So I think when you think of all of that, maybe that not first choice turns out to be the choice that you need for a team that needs to grow up, needs to mature, needs to play hard, needs to understand you have roles, needs to understand you're not there yet. Um, There's a lot of work to do. can sit down and tell him this is how Curry does it. This is how Chris does it to his backcourt. This is how we did it to get to the finals. This is how we won the finals in, you know, Golden State. I, I just think that he already, in a short amount of time, Um, can walk into a locker room and can tell you, okay, look, I can tell you the ways to get there, and I can tell you what we did to get there and what happened while we were there. It's it's up to you to buy in now. So I guess what I'm getting at is it's going to be really, really hard, I think, for Pelicans players that I was told were craving a, quote, unquote former coach that it's, you know, going to be hard for them to to not buy in or, or not play for this guy because, you know, Former what what player. else are you looking yeah, for?
1: Yeah, yeah ESPN yeah. fourteen twenty. Gus Caggill, Saints and Pelicans correspondent. Our guest, Jake Fisher, was the name of the uh, writer and uh, reporter who uh, wrote the article that was detailing a lot of the backstory about how it led to uh, to Willie Green. Um, all right, Gus, let's um, let's hit on uh, before we hit on OU Texas. Um, I was at Sunbelt Media Day yesterday. Uh, For those that might have missed some of it, my interview with Coach Napier is up on our website. My interview with Keith Gill, the commissioner to the Sunbelt Conference, who I have been critical of, and I was honest with him about some of the stuff I've been critical of uh, when I talked to him yesterday. But those are up for folks if they want to hear it. Um, In terms of before we get to the the P5 and what might happen with some moves there, in regards to the G5, uh, you know, in the last, I don't know, sixteen years. Like when I when I first started, let's just say working together, you know, in New Orleans back in, you know, oh three, oh four. I mean, the Sun Belt was clearly the the bottom feeder of D one college football conferences. It was. It was the worst. Um fast forward to twenty twenty one and it is I mean you, you you probably have multiple teams in the top twenty five. Um it is Right up there with the American Athletic as the best G5 conference in football. The Sun Belt did not great, but when you look at the top of it, um, you know the, tech, the Sun Belt is headquartered, their office in New Orleans. Uh, I think for those that kind of follow a school in the conference or the conference as a whole know that <clears throat> the Sun Belt, from a football standpoint, which is the biggest money sport in college sports, has you know just made huge strides and is relevant in a way that they had not been in years past. What do you think, Gus? Because while the Sun Belt is headquartered in New Orleans, they do not have a team in New Orleans. I mean, UNO used to play various sports in the Sun Belt. They never had a football team, but they're they're it's long. It's been a while since they've been in it. What do you think, do you feel like the national perception of the Sun Belt has caught up to the reality of where they currently are in terms of the group of five? Or do you think the national perception still needs a lot of promotion from the conference, still needs a lot of help that some people that, I'm just looking for, the, you know, what what's the idea of somebody that doesn't really follow the conference at all? Do they still think it's the worst football conference in America? Or do they realize that it's like, Probably sixth or or seventh, one or the other, and and not at the bottom like it used to be years ago.
0: Um, it's Interesting you say because I actually brought that up. Um, you know, yesterday when obviously all the conference stuff was going on and everything started, um, we, we've had that commissioner, we, we've had him on, man, I, a couple of times on our show, and it was it was something that was. Um, Interesting to kind of talk to him about and sort of see how that conference was was trying to get it's not only visibility but like you said reputation to sort of get uh, a certain way. You know what's interesting is I guess the best answer what you just asked me is to go back on the experience of, of covering and going to a school in, in CUSA in, in Conference USA and then seeing a couple years ago when some of those Conference USA schools less for the American um and and what it did and what it meant and then seeing how the American has tried to um position itself you're talking about help from its conference well you know Mike Oresko the commissioner of the American he and and the rest of the schools came up with the p6 thing you know um legitimately branding themselves as a, a power six conference and putting a six on everything. If you look at a two lane football game or an American athletic conference game, you will see that six logo around the star on a white circle. And, you know, they, they go about, they act, and they promote that right past the power five, here's the American. Um, so, branding and, and pushing that is key, I would say, Scott. The second thing, though, is winning. Oh, I, I, winning's first. I get it. But you, you get what I'm getting. You still have to, to promote that. And then when I say winning, I mean not just one team. You have to have a couple of teams. And you mentioned some teams in the top 25. That sort of helps as well. And I think the other thing that also helps, um, I would almost put like 2A or 2B, is um, coaches. I mean, you look at the American Athletic Conference coaching and they have some pretty big names. Um, you know, when you look at Houston going over and being a holder, and now whether or not he works there or not, I mean, he was one of the first coaches in that conference, man, that they went out and spent some bucks, you know, and that means that other schools are, are going to sort of have to do that. And I'm just talking about from the football standpoint. So, um, I think the other thing that helps that conference is the cities. Most of those teams are in major U.S. cities. So that sort of helps that, that growth, that notoriety and stuff. Um, in basketball, you have some really big names that are in that conference. So I, I think to answer your question, I would say if you want that conference to grow nationally in terms of perception, nationally in terms of monetary value, because that's, the important thing we've heard in the last forty-eight hours, right? Why Texas and Oklahoma are looking to go to the SEC, and, and what is it? It's money, and, and specifically, what is that money? Television money. Twenty twenty-five, that contract comes up. Uh, the SEC will be exclusively on ESPN and ABC. So, if you want to watch an SEC game in twenty twenty-five, that's what it's going to be. That's what's driving TU and in um, Oklahoma. To, to try to get into the SEC. And, and having watched what's happened at Conference USA, I, I think it's something that I, I thought about and talked about a lot yesterday. If Texas and Oklahoma go there, if I'm the American, I'm trying to call Baylor and, um, you know, TCU because Houston's in there. I mean, it just makes sort of sense to kind of try to do that. But specifically to to the Sun Belt, I'm like, if I'm the Sun Belt, maybe them and CUSA. You know, you get together and form a super conference. SEC is trying to be a super conference with 16 teams. And Feinbaum's out there saying it should be more. So if that's going to happen, does the Pac-12 then maybe take a team or two that's left from the Big 12? Because there will only be essentially, what, eight left. Um, The Big 10, they take your Kansas, Kansas State, Iowa, Iowa State, kind of in the right frame and area. So if that happens and you want a decent TV deal, because, Scott, the American – has all of their games on ESPN Plus. Now, I know some on the Sun Belt do as well. I know the Cajuns were on there a lot. But I'm talking everything, baseball, basketball, women's basketball. Every time I called the game, there was somebody behind me in a suit doing it for ESPN Plus, whether it was home or whether it's on the road. Um, So if you want that TV deal, if you want that relationship that that does that – I think conferences kind of maybe coming together in the future are going to be key, because I'm with you. Whether it's conference, you say you have two, three schools, depending on the sport that are at the top and then everything else. And I think in the Sun Belt, you've seen some teams lead the way. Um, and, Scott, look, the Cajuns have been to the World Series. The Cajuns have you know made some news in basketball and having guys get drafted and go into the league. And, obviously, what Coach Napier has done, man, has been incredible. But, again, name, notoriety, wrecking. The guided that other schools want, winning, um, you know, you, you talked about apps, you know, stay in the other schools like that, too, that are consistently winning and, and being put in those positions and programs. That's going to help go a long way. You just wonder how um, it goes moving forward with all these different conferences. Heck, it may be one of those schools that that goes um, – that, that may try to get into a conference um, or stay in it. Um, but – that's kind of what I'm keeping an eye on, too, to what happens because there will be ripple effects um, because of Texas and Oklahoma if they do that. espn
1: 1420 andcom Gus Cattengill, our guest. I mean, it, it, unless Texas starts asking for all this preferred treatment, which they probably will once they're in the SEC, um, but not beforehand. Um, it, it just feels like we're on a crash course to this eventually happening. Now, A&M is going to oppose it, and they need three other schools in the league to say, we don't want this to happen that would get rid of this. And, you know, if if it does, you know, who is the other three teams going to be other than A&M? Because you could, you could make an argument to Missouri and Arkansas and others, and you could point to, look, on the field, this is going to hurt in a big way. But then you go to a president and you say, yeah, well, look at this. Look at these dollar signs, right? You know, for A&M, yeah, you can make more money, but they've got, you know, I mean, they they got boosters out the wazoo. It, it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? And, and don't underestimate their their disdain and hate for the University of Texas. But I remember 11 years ago when there was, I, 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 like, I remember like it was yesterday. Oh, the, it, it, it's going to be the Pac-16 and the Big 12 will be no longer. That was when coverage realignment, everything, was all these movers and shakers, and all signs were pointing to that, and there was talk that that's what the Pac-12 was going to do. Or at the time, the Pac-10, they were going to move to the Pac-16, and what is the Big 12 going to do? And a couple of these schools in the Big 12 will be left hanging out to dry, and yeah, didn't happen. Big 12 was saved kind of at the last minute, but that wasn't that long ago. So could could something throw a big monkey wrench in this to prevent it from happening? I wouldn't bet on it. Um, because I think, like you said, the dollar signs, but then if you go to 16, is there a mad scramble after that for the big 10, for the PAC 12, for the AC, we want to get to 16 too, you know, and then now you just have P fours. And if you go to sixteen, you know, I mean, would, would LSU, excuse me, would LSU, with the SEC, prefer a Clemson as opposed to an Oklahoma. Well, if you do that, then maybe South Carolina say no. And if A&M and Carolina say no, can they convince two others? I don't know. But I think, I I, I just feel like at some point, I do think Texas will be in the SEC, probably Oklahoma as well. But I think there are going to be so many layers to this thing. Like, we haven't even cut the onion yet. We haven't even cut it. The onion is this report. Texas and Oklahoma are looking into getting into the SEC, and nobody in the higher-ups at the SEC offices in Hoover or Texas or Oklahoma, for that matter, are denying it. That's the onion right now. We haven't even cut into this thing. I see so many ripple effects, some of which will prove true, others of which will just be stories and talk and rumor, that will have enough of an impact to hit schools and programs everywhere, right? Right. Like if the Big 12 tries to salvage itself, you've got schools and G5 conferences saying, well, you know, maybe maybe you can get into the Big 12. And then you've got Big 12 teams saying, well, should we try to get out? If this happens, what's going to happen to our conference? Literally every school in D1 football that plays D1 football will look at how this is going to potentially impact them. So, we, again, we haven't even cut the onion, but by the time we get to the center of it, it might be four or five years from now. It, it's, it's just going to look, it's going to be crazy, man. I mean, I, I kind of dig it because it's going to give us great content, but we are in the very, very early stages of just how many layers of this onion we're going to be smelling, eating, whatever metaphor you want to use. It might make you cry. Right. Maybe you like it. Maybe you like it grilled, fried, whatever. Come up with your food metaphors, but I'll just say buckle up because it is one big onion.
0: It is. And, you know, one of the things, Scott, you brought up that was interesting to me yesterday was uh, so the Big 12 had all their eighties and CEOs and whatever have what, Scott, last night at an emergency meeting <laughs> on the show when that came out um, was just when the show was starting. I'm like, well, that's probably a sign that this is not just speculation when Literally the conference athletic director's like, Okay guys, we gotta meet, we gotta meet. What do you want to today? Five o'clock. Get on that Zoom, get on that Insta, you know, whatever it is you need to get on there. Um Scott, Texas, and Oklahoma didn't participate. I mean <laughs> when,
1: when the two schools You know what they feel the reasons <laughs> You know don't what, show up. <laughs> you know what they feel like, Gus? They feel like these like two girls like in a sorority oh, that are like, they're, they're pretty, yeah. they're, they're good looking, but maybe not quite Man. as much as they think, but like, they're like, they're, they just, they just, they're like, we're thinking about leaving Delta Gamma and going to AKO. Well, you can't do that. The bylaws say this, we can do whatever we want. And everybody wants us. Look how pretty we are. We're always invited to the big formal and we represent this. I, that That's what this thing feels like. All right, well, let's have an emergency meeting and we'll call in, Everybody that's missed something to this great sorority over the years yeah whatever we ain't going like that's what this thing feels like right now.
0: yeah and look man you just look at some of the reaction this week um, from Jimbo Fisher who was you know the head coach of <laughs> Texas and <laughs> an then who it was his time to walk up and that report came out but look I love it I love what he says hey be careful what you wish for you know. Um, in that, he's right. He sees it, you know, when he came over from the ACC. It, it's tough. Um, I think what's interesting is on of it the competition level. You, you talked about are you going to get schools to go against it or not. I'm going to be honest with you. Schools that have trouble beating Alabama in football, bring it on. You know, <laughs> because you want yeah, – God. it might be a bloodbath, but with the expanded structure, with the way that they're trying to do different things, I think what you're seeing – is, you know, and I think one of the reasons that I'm in favor for it is it does think that literally you have one hiccup, one flip up, one loss, you're done. And that's tough. So with expand playoffs, you'll be able to have one or two losses. I think, obviously, the more talent you put in, it's going to be tougher. Scott, you think the FCC was a tough conference when it comes to baseball before? Huh. I mean, I mean, Texas was pretty good this year, you know, so I think it's interesting um, to do it. I, I would do. I'm all for the content. I also understand at the same time how I kind of reacted to it when I first saw the news. I'm like, why? You know, I'm like, if the has to see why, you're going to have to convince me why. Um, I got a great thing. To, I mean, clearly the best conference when it comes to money, uh, fan base support, things of that nature. You know, I mean, they're they're – slogan motto is it just means more and they absolutely act like it right i mean it's in, from every aspect
1: of it, Scott. it's just worth so, more it should be the same yeah that's it <laughs> that's That's really what, 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 what it what comes it down be. to
0: no exactly right but more. i mean that's the thing right so i get it and, and look we we had one of the first callers yesterday man they you know they're like you know what they were responsible for disbanding the old conference you know what they were responsible for kicking out other, you know, teams like Nebraska eventually got sick of Texas running. So, look, I, that's not – I'm the SEC. I get it. I, I'm happy you guys want to join us. But I would imagine that Sankey and, and the rest of the schools will sit there and say, you're joining our conference. You're not running our conference. And is that the understanding – they may be willing to, as it comes down to this, as I spoke with somebody nationally who uh, covers college football yesterday, it said, you know, if ESPN comes to them and says, all right, you know that 32 million you guys are sharing on an on which is what I think was the last TV breakdown, man, was 32 million that each team got from the TV years. Um, what if it's forty-five? What if it's seven? What if it's nine million? Yeah, yeah. If you put these two teams in, man, I, I mean, God's athletic budgets, dude, for some universities, you know. I mean, I am just telling you, like I think like Southern Miss is like thirteen or something twenty three. I mean, you know, like you're getting a check just for being that school. That honestly, is as much as some athletic budgets in a lot of universities. Oh, more. To do more. what you want with much it. Much more. You know? yeah. Right. Right. To do what you want with it. I mean, when you're – and, and I, I made that – I think that, man, in the past when I go to these games and, you know, um, for women's hoop, sometimes, you know, we'll play in the WNIT or even in the NCAA, but we'll go visit Mississippi State. We've played Ole Miss. We've done it a couple of times. We've played at Alabama. You know, as recently as uh, last season and two seasons ago as well, and Scott, every trip to campus, I'm like, I don't recognize this place. You know, in a three-year period, we went and played twice. We played, didn't play, and played Alabama. And their baseball stadium was a glorified high school park. I don't mean that to be disrespectful, but in today's SEC, it needs to be better. The last time I went, which was, what, two seasons ago, um, I remember sending pictures to the graph. I'm like, would you look at this place? I'm like, it, it was incredible. Um, the, the streets that separates that field with the football facility, with the massive sign that you can see from, you know, on the other side of the street that says, you know, head coach, Nick Fabian's parking <laughs> right by the door on the back, which is interesting. Um, that had been upgraded, man. Um, every street sign is crimson you know, with white lettering, that cost. Like, my point that I'm saying is I found these schools in the last four or five years, they're finding ways to spend the money. Like, they're, they're literally coming up with reasons and ways to spend money, bricking everything, all these buildings that are new, the football facility for Alabama's getting redone on the exterior. Uh, like I said, just the street sign colors. And if you're sitting there going, well, that's not a big – I'm just saying, look go around where you else can't even imagine every single straight sign, you know, <laughs> looking a well, certain way.
1: I, I, I think I'm another concerned.
0: thing looks like an amusement park, Another you know? thing it's like to consider,
1: no right. No, and, no. and another thing to consider, right. Some of these schools have so much money and guess what? None of it's going to the players. So what now with NIL, what if, you know, some of these businesses and that. boosters are like, yep. we've been giving you this, this way for so long, but now we're going to use some of our, our um, advertising budget. And instead we're going to, player or these players or this team or the, and we're not going to siphon it through the athletic budget. We're going to do it over here to these players separately. So now these schools that have just had Buku money are like, we got to make sure where we get the guaranteed money all the time is the TV money. Cause once that's signed, you know, if you want to get out of it, guess what? You're going to have to pay a bigger fine just to get out of it. So ultimately we're going to get it over the life of this contract that could be factoring into the thinking as well of how do we keep some of this coming in and all right let's look in Texas and Oklahoma all right let's look at getting into the SEC it's just again it's it's it is a big onion and um, we're gonna get we're gonna get plenty of great content out of it you can get great content a- every day from uh, our guest right now Gus Cattengel he is the host of the sports Happy Hour podcast in New Orleans noon to three I'm sorry. The sports hangover. I blame Ralph Malbro for that. Our friend Ralph. He he texts me a lot of funny stuff. I had the him sport. on yesterday. There I know you go. Exactly what my, about. My, my, my guy, <laughs> man. You know we used to. <laughs> Gus and I used to work with Ralph back in the day too in New Orleans. Yeah. So old times. Yep. Uh, the sports hangover. It's all right. One time, I think I was on his podcast like uh, a few years ago, and I called him Gus once or twice. And he's like, Scott, it's Ralph. I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just so used to talking to things with Gus, so uh, I guess sorry. I owed him that one. Uh, the sports hangover, ESPN Radio in New Orleans, uh, noon to three weekdays, and uh, give him a follow on Twitter at gcat underscore one seven. All right, man. There were things we didn't get to dig into today, like the NFL and vaccinations and that. I had fun talking about parades, celebrations, and conference realignment. So um, I appreciate the time, my friend. Um, I don't think we're going to be chatting next week or potentially the week after. So we'll take a quick a quick hiatus from our Friday convos. But um, by the next time we talk, man, it is uh, – shoot. I mean, we're talking preseason. We're talking deep into training camp. We're talking right. – the nba draft has taken place and free agency so we will have a a full cupboard to uh to open up and uh and start chewing on a number of things when we chat in a couple of weeks but i appreciate the time man all the best to the family and uh, go watch bluey
0: yep all about bluey uh yeah dude, it's nuts dude when you think about it that next friday i'll be what is it almost eight o'clock yeah i'll be on my way to practice here in a little bit so <laughs> Uh, I'm excited. Looking forward to it, man. Training camp. All right, next week. Let's
1: get it. Appreciate it, my friend. I'll talk to you soon uh, off the air. I'll talk to you on the air in a couple weeks. Sounds good, man. Take care, buddy. There you have it. That is Gus Catgill, Saints and Pelicans correspondent. I'm Scott Frather. It's ESPN1420N.com.